Welcome to A Human Perspective. of A Human Perspective, we have Peter Carius, who founded a coaching business that is focused on leaders and people who are looking to upgrade or improve their careers. Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Laura. Talk to us about your background and how you ended up setting up a coaching business. Yeah, great question. And to answer that question, kind of unconsciously, really, through really me starting to dive into personal professional development when I was still working in the corporate world. And I didn't even know what a coach was, to, to be very honest. Like, and, and that sounds ridiculous probably, but that, that, that is the truth. Until I hired my first coach, I was basically in a, in a global management position at an aerospace company and was leading people. I thought there had to be more to how you lead someone, how you manage people, than what I was getting in the regular leadership training that I was exposed to. And as I got into this world of personal development, I kind of got confronted with the fact that it was, was about me, as how I was showing up. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. A bit uncomfortable, um, <laughs> you know, having to, having to think there's probably more to what's going on that has to do with me and how I'm showing up than with the people around me. It's so much easier to project things on your team than it is to actually take responsibility for yourself. Yeah. As I embarked on that the journey myself, I, I then thought, okay, there's actually a lot here that would benefit other people as well. In parallel, I was going through kind of a finding my purpose exercise in life. And so the card, the stars kind of aligned, if you want. The main reason was I realized how much helped me. And I realized also that it could help other people. And I know that people with my background, as in like a very businessy background, very much in the corporate world, yeah. tend to not be exposed to those things as easily help people make those journeys themselves and gain yeah. more self-awareness, self-insight to then become better leaders and be able to be better leaders. What was the focus when it came to leadership training or leadership guidance or mentorship by people that were above you? It was all about just how you, how you manage other people and how you lead mm. other people, which is, is clearly an essential part of it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say by any means that that's not important. It is clearly very important. The way I see leadership is I see it as kind of three levels. And the level one is leading yourself. Yeah. From my point of view, when you lead yourself, then you go to level two, which is leading others. And then you go to level three, which is developing other leaders. Like with a building, if you don't have a foundation in place, everything else crumbles. Yeah. I used to see this a lot when, you know, you kind of wonder, why is this person effective as a leader? And this person isn't. Yeah. Obviously, unless you have developed self-awareness yourself, you don't really see it in other people either. So that for me was the biggest change where I was like, you know, it would always start at level two at how do you lead other people and very little time spent on how do you lead yourself? How do you actually gain the self-awareness, the self-consciousness to then grow and actually be able to do that in a credible and authentic way, which I think is a key point. And before you recognize that, what were you like as a leader? Controlling. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it's a, you know, I think it's a natural response. Yeah. Um, because as you, as you gain self-awareness, it's also easier to let go mm. and, and build confidence at the same time, right? And if you don't do that, then you tend to be more in a space of, well, I need to control the situation because if I don't do that, then I don't know what's going to happen. So it yeah. took me a while to just let go, to yeah. become less tense, really. Well, one of my coworkers said this to me, he's like, why are you so tense all the time? <laughs> I was like, I actually, I'm not sure. So it's, it's a valid question, you know? 
let's let's talk about it. That has definitely been one of my biggest learnings as a leader. I'm very mm. much into coaching and trying to teach people to become self-sufficient. But in the beginning, yeah. I can definitely be super controlling. I'm a mm. bit of a perfectionist. And then no. I am now <laughs> unloading that on a poor soul. I'm sorry, my team. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> So actually it becomes a heavier experience for them mm. than it needs to be. So I yeah. think they're my own expectations that are involved there. But then also yeah. sometimes it's also the expectations of the business as well, because you're constantly mm -hmm. held accountable for what your team members are doing. So how do you balance that responsibility in a way where you can let go? The key thing for me is the assumption I always have is people are there to do a good job. Mm. That's, that's the, that's how I go into it. Now, is that true for everyone? Probably not, mm. but that, that's at least the baseline assumption that I make. I think when you make that baseline assumption, then it's easier to let go to begin with because mm. you, you give people the benefit of the doubt, which yeah. I've certainly experienced many times that that's probably the first stumbling block for many people just to <laughs> give the benefit of the doubt, right? To not say, well, this person's new, so therefore they don't know anything and therefore I need to tell them exactly what to do. And if I don't, then they're going to let me down. And then like, as a consequence, I'm going to let other people down. It's assuming that people are there because they want to do, want to do a good job. People don't yeah. need to be managed. They need to be led. People can manage themselves. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be where they are. They wouldn't be working for you if they, if they couldn't do that, if they didn't have that self-sufficiency, as, as you, I think, is, is a good way to describe it. That takes some courage on your own part. Is a key ingredient for other leaders to have some courage. And that's not so much the courage of being able to present on the big stage, which is part of that, but it's really the courage also to let people do the things in the way that they want. Because I think Steve Jobs said it really well. I'm going to paraphrase because I remember his exact quote, but he said, you know, if you hire people and tell them what to do, what's the whole point in hiring brilliant people? You might as well just, you know, get anybody and then tell them what to do. Mm. You've talked about something that makes a good leader is one, being introspective. So being able to actually mm. look within themselves, yeah. also having the courage to let go and even I would say it takes courage to believe in other people, right? Yes. <laughs> As well, mm -hmm. because quite a lot of the time when you've become a leader, it's often because you've done your job very well as an individual contributor. Mm -hmm. So being able to actually just step back and let people be and find their own way can be a bit tricky. What other characteristics you feel makes one a strong leader or, or a good leader? I think it's really important to be, to be able to inspire people. This is one of the key things where I think it's really important to be able to inspire yourself first. Because mm. if you can't inspire yourself to do things that are, you know, important, it's going to be very difficult to inspire other people. Absolutely. If you, if you can't stoke a fire in yourself to do something, to go after something, it's going yeah. to be at best inauthentic. Yeah. And at worst, probably just a complete failure. And being able to motivate people. And again, how do you motivate yourself? I think one of the key things which we talk about a lot you have to be able to make decisions and actually committed decisions. A person that's a really effective leader, they, yeah. they make committed decisions. Mm. Anybody can decide something, but it's, it's the difference between deciding and deciding and doing and taking yes. action. That's really yes. where you see a big difference, not just yeah. in leaders, but individuals in general in life. Mm. That decision-making capability plays a very big role. Once you have that yourself, you can also train other people how to do it, which then lightens your load because as you have to make decisions all the time, it, it's tiresome. So if you get, get other people to, to be able to become proficient in that, then you actually make it easier for yourself and help other people be better. How common do you think that is to actually be able to make a decision and commit and follow through? <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> How common is that? I don't have any statistics on this. I think, we're, I think as a human race, we're, I think we're pretty bad at it. I think we're pretty bad at it, to be honest. 
I mean, certainly in a corporate environment, right, you're, you're not exactly given permission to make decisions, like mm-hmm. real decisions where yeah. you are the person that actually makes a decision. Yeah. And even if you go up the way to the CEO, right, CEO still is, has to go you know, to the board and, and get permission. And there are good reasons for all that. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, people should just be able to, to make decisions and go ahead. <laughs> we, we, we see how that works and it doesn't work very well. Let's not do that. But on an individual level, it starts with even setting priorities for, for the day or for, for your life. One of the things I, I always like to understand is how do you structure your day? You know, how do you, what goals do you have on a daily basis? Yeah. If you are able to set a goal, preferably the day before, so you don't have to think about it anymore the, the next day, you've decided it. And then no matter what happens, you do it. That is already a good sign that you're able to do that for yourself in, in, in a good way. And that's how you train it on a, on a very, on a micro scale. And then obviously you, you build it up and do it for, for more important things. But yeah, I think it's, it's really important. I certainly, uh, I'll, I'll raise my hand. I used to be very undecided mm-hmm. early on when, when I was became a, a manager first. And I try to get like different people's inputs to make sure I definitely make the right decision. God knows if I made the wrong decision, you know, what would, what would happen then? Yeah. Um, you know, it's much bigger in your own mind than it typically is actually <laughs> in real life. <laughs> it, it's, it's, an, it's an important topic that I think is, is underserved in, in how we get trained people and how we develop. It's really interesting when you talk about that ability to make a decision and actually make that decision happen. I would say I'm the other way. I'm very decisive (laughs) if you speak to people. Where I have to sense check it is that I'm not being too harsh with that. Am Mm. I looking at it from perfectionist view or is there a more realistic view that I need to use in order to be comfortable with the decision I'm making? I think a lot of people have this problem wherever they sit on this scale, that ability to truly believe in that decision and Mm. sit with that it's a big burden to carry and to to actually commit to because you have to stand by that can i can i disagree with you slightly okay (laughs) (laughs) i I actually think it's i think it's a bigger burden not to decide Mm. when you make a real decision like i said a committed decision you feel the sense of responsibility this burden lift off your shoulders Mm. because you've made the decision and once you've taken action then actually it's just a matter of executing. Yeah. I personally find this in-between space, this ambivalent space between being yeah. like, uh, am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? Yeah. Do I like it? Do I not like it? Is the right thing? Is the wrong thing? That's a much more burdensome, in mm-hmm. my opinion, mm-hmm. than just saying, okay, I do it. And then move, move forward, forward with it. Yeah. Absolutely. What is the difference between a manager and a leader? Ooh, manager and leader. I love that. I love these, uh, you know, we've all seen these uh, the, these yeah. kind of graphics, right, on, on social media. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the fundamental difference is how you get people to do something. This is, you know, we're, we're talking extremes now. We're talking really stereotypes. Like a manager tells someone what to do, a leader inspires someone to do something. Mm. I think, you know, this is like the very extreme of it. I think yeah. there is a healthy middle ground mm. where as much as it's good to bring people along, and get buy-in sometimes it's also important to make decisions for people and ask them what to do i think that's also what you get paid for as a leader but for me the the key thing is really how you use authority do you use it to get people to do something or do you use it in a in a way that's actually helpful and that develops a culture that people want to work in i love what you've just said there it's how you use authority And I think a a lot of people forget that that's exactly what they're using or working with Mm. every day. That's actually a big responsibility. And you've got to be very conscious about how you're doing that. And I'll be honest, I don't really think about it in that way that Mm. I'm, you know, I'm using my authority this way or that way or correctly or incorrectly. 
But perhaps if we were all to think about our roles in that way, we would maybe approach things a little bit differently. It's kind of like you're carrying a sword, isn't it? The Mm. fact that you have that authority, quote unquote, and the other person doesn't necessarily tips the scale in a a certain way and the power balance a certain way. And I think that's something I don't really tend to consider so much. Yeah. Like I said, it depends on how you use it, right? Are you putting Mm. it in people's face and saying, well, you know, we can have this conversation or not, but at the end of the day, I'm making the decision. Mm. Or can we say, yeah, let's talk about it. And if we all agree that that's a better way to do it, then let's do it that way, right? Because then you're still making the decision, but you're doing it with input. And the other scenario, you're just ignoring it and it doesn't matter because you think you know it all. Yeah. So in terms of the way that you coach, what type of approach do you tend to take? It won't be any surprise. It's a lot of self-awareness is that you first understand why you're behaving the way you're behaving. Mm. You know, you can go through life never understanding why you're acting the way you're acting. Because our education system training, and I'm, and by the way, I'm a big proponent of ed- education. So I'm not talking bad about higher education or any other education whatsoever. We don't get taught why we behave the way we behave. To me, if you understand this as any, you know, it doesn't matter what position you're in, in in any organization, to understand why am I acting a certain way in a certain situation, being able to become cognizant of that is a lot more powerful than most other things you can really learn. So that's really the starting point. Yeah. It takes a certain type of person, or maybe you need to be at a certain stage in your life. I don't know. But some people are naturally people that kind of look inwards and are constantly trying to figure out what they can do better and how. Mm. But how do you work with a personality that perhaps isn't so self-aware? Well, it's easy for me because I didn't used to be. So I I understand understand (laughs) it. There has to be certain willingness to look within. You know, as a coach, you don't tell people what to do. I I don't force someone to want to look within if that's not something somebody wants to do i think it's much less effective if you if you're not open to it but they're very clear benefits and it's pretty easy you just look at your day and inevitably there will have been situations where you acted in a way where you said something that when you have a quiet moment and actually look back reflect on it you're probably thinking why did i act that way and that wasn't actually that great and so you can quickly spark people's curiosity to actually dig a bit deeper and once you get people to accept that yeah, sure, you, the people you interacted with or the circumstances, they did play a role. But let's also be really honest about the fact that your response was still your response, yeah. no matter what other people did. And I know that's not always that easy to accept. But with the benefit of hindsight, we can gain that understanding and we can be that honest with ourselves. And that's actually where the real benefit of it draws out. So when you can show someone how they can be more effective just by understanding more why they're behaving and the way they're behaving, it's a pretty easy sell from that point of view. And so considering this, because we started off the conversation with you saying you were doing leadership training and you were realizing, actually, this isn't still quite hitting the mark. Mm. So does group training work? Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. All kinds of approaches work in a certain way. There's an enormous power in training rather a group. At the end of the day, it comes down to what frameworks are you setting for the group to effectively train each other? I think there's a lot of unguided group training in the sense that people are giving some instruction, then they just go about doing it. And then quickly you fall into established behavioral patterns, whereas now someone will naturally just be the leader. And this this image a lot of people have of leaders just takes control and just goes for it, which actually is outdated, really, in my personal opinion. Um, And then other people will just sit back and they'll just follow along, which, by the way, I should also say that, you know, being able to follow is just as important as leading, even as a leader. Good point. And that's also effect. 
you know, in a group setting um, dictates that you have to be able to, to follow. Group approaches can be extremely powerful because as you understand new information, you internalize it as a group and the group has just more intellectual power because of the sheer number of it. You can therefore gain insights from other people that you probably wouldn't have even gained beforehand. It's not as tailored to the individual. Mm. typically, but you tend to get insights that you would have missed otherwise, because somebody's going to ask a question that you would have never thought about. And so I think it's it's extremely powerful. Internal training versus external training. <laughs> so for instance, and yeah. this is still in the group setting, yeah, I mean, yeah. my company is quite small. Uh, yeah. So we, we do um, internal training. I think when mm -hmm. you have a larger company, you know, you're more likely to perhaps mix with a manager that you don't even really interact yeah. with at all. But I think when it's smaller, it can sometimes feel a bit, you know, hot in the kitchen, I would say, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it can sometimes be a lot easier to be open and have conversation and debate when you know that, okay, I will not see you again. You have nothing to do with my business. What are your thoughts around that? Either, you know, internal, external, internal within the team that's established or internal with the people that you don't know versus just going training with people that you don't know at all. All has benefits. I think it depends on what you want to do. I mean, I remember a very specific example because I used to do a lot of negotiations, sort of high value, multi-billion dollar, 20, 30 year agreement type things. And so yeah. I once went on this negotiation training where it took us to kind of a military approach. It was really kind of weird actually, but none of us knew each other. So we wouldn't see each other again. So you were able to let your guard down more. And yeah. that puts you in a more creative state. So actually the, the training was more experiential than it was kind of, you know, just knowledge gathering, which a lot of mm. the times it is, which is not as effective. And mm. because of that expansion nature where you didn't have to worry about, you know, like you just said, seeing the other person ever yeah. again, you did actually get more, more, I can only speak for myself because I never met the other people again, but you, you <laughs> I certainly got a lot more longer lasting benefits from the other trainings where I would have, you know, spent four days with my colleagues and where you still have to be on your guard because you have to maintain a certain image yeah. as part of a company. And that's how it is, at least in my understanding, maybe, maybe that's something I have to work on. <laughs> but um, as you were saying, in a smaller company, when you're doing training with the same team, the benefit there is you can apply things through the lens of the team immediately. And you can talk that through as you're in the situation, which let's be honest, we probably don't get enough chance to do that otherwise at the end day it depends on what it is you want to get out of it if you really want to teach someone a new behavior send them away on their own outside of the normal environment with other people that they're not going to necessarily see again they'll be much freer to do that they'll be much less restrained by having to wonder what their colleagues are going to think or how that's going to be perceived absolutely and i think sometimes it even makes you appreciate your work environment a little bit more as well sometimes when you hear <laughs> yes. people's stories does every leader need a coach? That's an interesting question. Every Everyone, leader or not, should have done some sort of work with a mentor or coach. You're talking to someone that isn't in your world at all. And so just talking to someone about things that you don't talk about on a daily basis and talking to someone that has completely different point of view has tremendous value. Yeah. I would, and this is not self-serving, I, <laughs> I would certainly say, yes, please go find the person that fits you best mm. and you know work with that person. At least give it a try. I think you can gain enormous benefit from that interaction. Okay, so just to round this up, Peter, can you tell us what makes one a good leader? Absolutely. I don't think I said this before. For me, leadership, let's define it. It's the ability to create a standard in someone that enables them to do great things yeah. consistently and over time without you by their side. That to me is leadership. What we have to remember in that context is the three levels. You lead yourself, you lead others, and then you develop other leaders. I think if I want to leave people with anything is if you're not being effective as a manager, as a leader, and 
whatever the struggle is that you're having with your team. I know it's not always the easiest step to take, but look within first before you look at other people to look for responsibility. I know there will be things that you're doing that aren't allowing your team to be as effective as they can be. And equally, there will be things that the team does that won't be as good. But just look within first. It'll help you more. And in the long term, it'll make you more effective as a leader, as an individual, and it'll help the team more as well. Take personal responsibility as a leader because you've been put in that position for a reason. Someone trusted you to lead others. So then also have the humility to look at what you can do better and how you can become more effective. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. I'm definitely going to listen to this podcast a few times, I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great perspective. And I do love the fact that it's not just so much about what skills you need to manage other people, but actually look inside yourself first. Mm -hmm. your behaviors. Why do you perhaps react to certain things in a certain way? Are there better ways to actually do that to get the most out of your team? Again, the focus being on yourself is definitely key. Yeah. Peter, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You find me by searching Peter Carriers. Also my website, petercarriers.com. Those are the two best ways to find me. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've learned so much just speaking to you and I've had fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you as well.